I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. A lot of people out there, and keep in mind, I'm probably basing this just off of my Twitter feed alone, but it, it seems, anyway, it seems like a lot of people do not like Deontay Wilder. But, like him or not, he knows how to win fights. And that's what he did last Saturday night against Louis Ortiz, stopping him in the 10th round of a pretty good heavyweight title fight. Uh, my apologies to Brendan Schaub, but uh, you have not... I, I, you, you, I'm sorry, you can't call that the greatest heavyweight fight of all time. It, it either shows that you don't know what you're talking about, or that it was the first heavyweight title fight you ever saw. But regardless... I thought it was a pretty good fight. It did start out a bit slow. Both were kind of uh, nervous about each other. You could tell that Wilder was not... Uh, he wasn't going in with reckless abandon. And Ortiz was being pretty patient, biding his, biding his time. Because even though he wasn't landing anything too heavy, he was landing some shots that were gaining Wilder's respect. It seemed like he would kind of catch Wilder coming in, and then Wilder would stop, back off a sec, thinking, okay, I've got to be a bit more careful. And then Ortiz is down in the fifth round. And it, in the seventh round, it, it looked like Wilder was in big trouble. And then the strange thing happened. You know, Wilder survives the round. He, he holds on. But at the start of the eighth round, they immediately call a timeout. And they have Wilder checked out by the doctors. They, you know, they, they just say, okay, you know, we're just going to pause the fight. And Wilder, we're, we're just going to go check him out. And I don't know why, because he wasn't cut. And it's just very puzzling to me. Uh, even the Showtime crew w was saying, what's going on? This doesn't happen. Go back and watch it, and you'll see. Polly Malignaggi is calling them out, saying, why are they doing this? They're, they're, they're just giving Wilder extra time. And Wilder's camp is rejecting that. Uh, his trainer and co-manager, Joe uh, J. Diaz, said, no, 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 no. The New York State Athletic Commission say, or the rules for the New York State Athletic Commission say that the fighter's safety is paramount. And you know what? He's right about that. But if the fighter's safety is paramount, why didn't they check on him between rounds? Because we've seen that happen lots of times. The doctor will go into the corner and say, are you all right? I mean, it happened with Oscar De La Hoya against Manny Pacquiao. It happened, it probably happened lots of times against, uh, or rather with Arturo Gatti against many opponents. But I remember the Ruelas fight. The doctor is in the corner you know, saying, cover your left eye and tell me how many fingers you see, or I'm ending the fight, but I don't know why they didn't do this with Wilder, I do think it was um, a, a chance to buy more time, capitalize, and sadly, that's not what uh, Ortiz was able to do, he wasn't able to capitalize on the damage he did in the seventh, by the ninth, it, it was obvious that Wilder was back in the fight, and then two big knockdowns later, uh, that was the end for Louis Ortiz, but uh, I don't think either, I, I, rather, I don't think Ortiz's stock goes down in any way, because he, he showed that, uh, you know, he's got tremendous skill, and he's definitely a player in the heavyweight division, but uh, I don't know if there's going to be a rematch. The, the fight did excellent ratings, so that's, uh, that's certainly uh, signs that people are interested in big heavyweight title fights but 
if that's going to be enough to warrant a rematch, I don't know. But uh, we'll have to see about uh, what happens later on. Moving on. On the undercard of this fight, Andre Durrell was stopped for the first time in his career. He quit on his stool after the 8th round in a rematch against Jose Uzcategui. Uh, if you recall, back in May of last year, Uskatagi was disqualified. He hit Durrell after the bell, and after that, Durrell's uh, trainer and uncle, Leon Lawson Jr., went into the ring and viciously sucker-punched Jose Uskatagi. And it, it was funny, because you, you can see it's a very clean blow, but it doesn't even... It doesn't seem to hurt Uskatagi that much, and unfortunately that caused a great big melee uh, it, i found it very puzzling that such a that the security and the police who were at ringside couldn't catch a great big fat man like lawson but uh regardless uskatagi got the victory over Durrell this time he was ahead uh, on the score or rather he was ahead on two of the scorecards of uh their first fight but he was well ahead in this fight Andre Durrell, uh, oh man, I I don't want to sound mean or rude, but if you know me, that just happens to be a default setting sometimes with me. But I look at this guy and I think, wasted potential. I look back at his fight against Arthur Abraham and how everybody thought that for this Super 6 tournament fight, he, he was going to get absolutely demolished and that it would only be about maybe three or four rounds and then he'd be flat on his back like Jermaine Taylor was against Abraham. But no, Durrell was boxing well, he was landing punches and it was him who knocked down Arthur Abraham. You know, that, that was kind of a stunner. It's like, wait a minute, Durrell knocked down Abraham? Uh, he was just fighting with uh, such bravado and bravery that it was kind of like, wait a minute, like who thought that this fight would be this competitive? And unfortunately, uh, the fight ended with, as we know, Arthur Abraham being disqualified after, oddly enough, landing a blow uh, when Durrell was down. It, it, it's very similar to the Uzakataki fight. But uh, I just thought it was weird that Durrell was never able to sort of capitalize on all the good he did against Arthur Abraham. He, he immediately, well, not immediately, but uh, he dropped out of the Super 6 tournament after that. Everybody remembers the interview with him talking about the infamous Dr. Shaw High and his his grandfather was saying, oh, you know, I think we need a lawyer here with us because of the questions you're asking. It's kind of like, oh. And the thing was, I was slowly becoming a fan because of how well he did against Abraham. And I thought, oh, this this seems a bit suspicious. Why do you need a lawyer if they're just asking questions? And then, you know, he, he was fighting a who's who of who cares opponents. Then he goes in against James DeGale. Unfortunately, he's down twice in the second round. Loses that fight. It was a competitive fight, but unfortunately, those two knockdowns cost him. And, yeah, 
like against Uzakaki. I'm sorry if I keep pronouncing that poor man's name incorrectly, but I'm a bit tired. Um, it, it, it seemed like after he got uh, knocked down after the bell that... I'll be honest, I think he was faking it. Because he looked fine, like, you know, he got knocked down from the first punch, and then he looked, he's nodding to the referee, like, oh yeah. But then if you listen closely, you can hear his corner shouting to Darrell, stay down, stay down. And then Darrell just, you know, he just kind of keels over, and it's kind of like, huh, isn't it funny how that happens? And then people will argue, oh, well, the brain's a mysterious organ, who knows how it works, but, yeah. I'm sorry, 34 years old, and... A record of 26 and 3 with 16 knockouts. I think that this is the end of Andre Durrell. Uh, it's kind of puzzling how a bronze medalist of the 2004 games at this point in his career has, somehow has less than 30 fights. It's very puzzling whether you want to chalk it up to bad management, bad promotion, whatever, but. Like, like I was saying before, it, it's clear that he's talented because you can't be untalented and do what you did against Arthur Abraham like he did back in 2010. I'm sorry, you just can't. And we'll never know how good he could have been, which is a pity because, you know, he could have been a lot better than he was. Moving on. Okay, let's get to the quote-unquote meat of this podcast and discuss... The bad meat that Canelo Alvarez probably ate, which made him test positive for a banned performance-enhancing substance this past Monday. Yeah, it... The, the rematch we've all wanted, Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin. Now, is, is this fight in jeopardy now that Canelo has tested positive for... Oh, where is it? He tested positive for clenbuterol which is a banned performance enhancer and canelo and his handlers now they've blamed food contamination for the positive test results and apparently they said that it was in some bad meat uh if i recall i think this was the same excuse that eric morales used when he tested positive for a banned substance in his rematch against danny garcia but oh it's it, it, it doesn't look good for Canelo at this point, to be quite honest, ladies and gentlemen. On one hand, you do want to give Canelo the benefit of the doubt. You do want to say, well, wait. I mean, there's no there's no way to tell that he was cheating. I mean, maybe he did have some bad meat. After all, it, it has been known to happen. Meat contaminated with clenbuterol is apparently a realistic problem in Mexico. But at the same time... Chepo and Eddie Reynoso, I remember this from the uh, lead-ups, all those documentary series that HBO have done, I remember, like, they were butchers before. They work in the meat industry. I don't even know, I can't remember if they still own a butcher shop, but regardless, you should kind of know that this is a problem with meat in your country, so you should try to take some precautions if I can um, get, offer some advice to Canelo and his team, if they are listening, you know, buy Canadian meat. It tastes so much better. You know, Canelo, in all honesty, you can't beat my meat for a special treat. But 
Yeah, now now you got a lot of people who are outraged, particularly Gennady Golovkin. He wants the fight to go forward, but uh, I'm just very worried that this could be something that puts the fight in jeopardy now. You've got the WBC, you've got Eric Morales and Francisco Vargas going to Canelo's aid, saying that you know he's innocent, he's actually the real victim, and now you've got Liam Smith, you've got Abel Sanchez saying you know this is a joke, Canelo is hiding something. Sanchez is also saying that Canelo's hand wraps for the first Golovkin fight were apparently illegal then why didn't you bring this up with the commission at the time? It's just a lot of back and forth, back and forth, and I'm just worried, you know, is this going to eventually lead to a boiling point where it's just, you know what, screw it, the fight's off? I I, I don't, but in the back of my mind, it's just something that lingers, and I, I really don't want it to. I, I would prefer if it not do that. In all honesty, I just want this fight to go forward. I'm not working that weekend, so I really want to see the fight happen. Canelo, I mean, for love of God, you've got all this money and you're still buying the meat from Mexico? Dude, Alberta beef is some of the best you will ever taste. I don't know if you believe in God, but if you try some delicious Canadian beef, you know... I'm pretty sure you'll believe that this is what God eats. It's what this God eats, anyway. Moving on. Just how good is Mikey Garcia? That's a legitimate question I have, because he's only 30 years old, and yet, he's throughout his career, he's won the WBO featherweight title, the WBO super featherweight title, WBC lightweight title, and last night against Sergey Lipinets, he won the IBF light welterweight championship. And he's saying in a few fights, we're going to see him fighting at welterweight. It's kind of amazing because you would think that this guy would possibly be a bigger star. And there's still time for that to happen. But um, it's just kind of amazing. Uh, Yeah, just kind of... Lebanitz, I saw the fight and he seemed game enough but once again Mikey Garcia's game was just on a totally different level and it makes me wonder okay is there anybody out there who can really pose a challenge to him and makes me wonder could that person be uh, Lomachenko Uh, you know there has been a lot of back and forth talks if we are going to see Vasily Lomachenko take on Mikey Garcia there's of course, lots of back and forth between promoters, Ar- Bob Arum's involved, so it's not going to be easy, but if that fight does happen, I think it could be one, if provided Mikey Garcia wins, it would, you know, elevate him to superstar status. That, that That's just how I see it, but I don't know. I, I would like to see the fight between Lomachenko and Garcia, it, I don't know if it'll happen this year. I w- wouldn't be too surprised if it actually happened next year. I mean, let's be honest. Both of these guys are the same age. They're 30 years old. And if we have to wait another year or so for it to happen, that's fine. I don't think their skills are going to diminish by any means. But I don't want this to be uh, another case where 
uh, you know, unfortunately, Mayweather versus Pacquiao wasn't as good as it could have been, probably because, you know, they waited too long to fight. And there are also lots of great fights that didn't happen simply because people waited too long for the... Uh, they, they wanted to become bigger than it could have been, but unfortunately, that just didn't happen. I mean, Juan Manuel Lopez and Yuriokas Gamboa, that could have been the classic boxer versus puncher matchup, but it never happened because they waited too long, and then uh, Lopez lost twice to Orlando Salido. So, I, I hope we don't have to wait too long for uh, Garcia versus Lomachenko if it can happen. I mean, if... Garcia keeps moving up. I mean, I don't think Lomachenko is going to follow him, but at the same time, it would be nice if we could see the best truly fighting the best. But at the same time, I'm also intrigued by what Mikey Garcia could do at welterweight. Moving on. Finally, on the last podcast, I talked about how Manny Pacquiao was going to be fighting Mike Alvarado on the undercard of Jeff Horn versus Terrence Crawford and how I thought this was just a a, a terrible know-nothing fight. Well, not know-nothing, but no importance fight, okay? Uh, I thought, you know, there's no need for this to happen. And also, Manny Pacquiao on the undercard, how the mighty have fallen. Like, no, just walk away, Manny. Well, Manny Pacquiao has partially listened to my advice, but not all the way, as I had hoped. No, uh, Manny Pacquiao is not going to be fighting Mike Alvarado on the undercard. That fight has been scrapped, so good. Step in the right direction, if you ask me. Um, yeah, there, there's no need for that fight to happen. There are rumors that Pacquiao wants to fight in Asia again. There are rumors that it could be uh, Lucas Matisse who's going to be fighting him again fighters who have seen better days fighting each other now it's it 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 just doesn't mean anything in all honesty Manny Pacquiao should just retire okay he's 39 years old he's going to be 40 in December I know we've got quite a ways to go for that but still I think that it's time for him to just walk off into the sunset Manny you don't need to fight anymore okay Sorry, you've kind of established yourself as one of the greatest boxers of all time. We don't need to see you fight again. But, you know, there's nothing I can do about that if that's what he wants to do. I just think that, okay, you know, you've done the right thing by walking away from the Alvarado fight. Maybe he was upset because he was on the undercard. That wouldn't surprise me too much, in all honesty. But I'm hoping that he'll kind of sit back and realize, wait a minute, they wanted to put me on the undercard. You know, maybe maybe I should think about this. Am I being unrealistic or is it them who's being unrealistic putting me on the undercard? And I hope that Pacquiao realizes, you know what? No, no, it, it's time to walk away, wait a few years, and they'll call me to the International Boxing Hall of Fame. But, uh... I, I'm worried that that's not going to happen. I'm I'm very worried that he's going to keep fighting unnecessarily, taking unnecessary punishment, and as I said in the last podcast, put him in another big fight, but this time it'll be like Oscar De La Hoya versus Pacquiao, except he, this time he's going to be De La Hoya. And that's something that nobody wants to see, in my opinion. 
Anyway, that's all we have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxing for free. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Miller at Zizek, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to youtube.com slash boxing for free and like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash boxing for free page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. <laughs>